In giving this, uh, the scripture this morning, which was coming from 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, I read the, uh, that, that chapter, and I encourage everyone to read the chapter 2 Timothy 3, and just reflect upon how that is in describing life as we know it today. Anyway, second scripture, Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, reading from the New Living Translation. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. That's. Here's the Lord, Lord's word. Thanks, David. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this morning we will appropriate the word that we have just read, that your word will be profitable for us, for our, for our uh, good and our, for the truth, and Lord, for teaching us to do the good work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning... I am tasked to share the word of God, so uh, you have no choice. You can't run. Uh, uh, but this morning, it's just a joy for me to share. Um, the, the theme that we have is, is the better way. That's probably one of the best things that I love to share this morning is that the better way of having a church, a characteristic a three characteristic of a church that Jesus intended it to be. Because I believe, um, uh, I attended my first, um, um, presbytery meeting a few, few weeks ago. I have this book, a report. And according to this report, it says 25 years from now, if we don't do anything about our church, our congregation, and our denomination, it will disappear completely. We will, because we are now in the states of a palliative kind of condition as a, as a denomination. A palliative stage which a lot of our churches is either small or dying. Or in the midst of considering it to close or sell a property. And according to them, this new group called a young people called tribe went for a, an, in a length of, of discovering and researching what happened, why. So I got to think about it as I, as I went there. I felt like I'm in a cap, uh, time capsule. I'm the young, one of the youngest uh, of the people that was attending there, including Luke, Sam. And the, th- the three of us look at each other and says, is this a time capsule? The rest is that age, and we are the only one that is this age. It's almost like... Um, and when I was reading this report and I said, God, what happened? What is the characteristic of a church that you have created of a Jesus church? Why is it that some of the churches are growing? Are they going the best way or the better way? And I, I was pondering and I said, I think this morning I want to share the three characteristics of a church that the Lord intended it to be. The church that God, Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, do you agree with me that this morning that we belong here in this church, not just part of the uniting church, but this is the church that Jesus said, I will build. 
Do you believe in that? That this is the church that Jesus said, I will build it. And I pay the price for it. I will pour out my blood for this. And for this church. So there are three characteristics I want to share you with, with you this morning. And as I was pondering, the three distinguished... Uh, actually, the, the report have given this, this um, kind of... A, um, how do you call this one? Graft. Um, uh, it's called... They, they found out that the church that is existing and growing... And, uh, and uh, have life in it is this church that has the upward, the outward, and the inward, and the off. That means in the association where with the, who they associate with, who they fellowship with, and um, and what is their focus? Why the church is is uh, is alive and it's uh, growing, and this this excitement in it. They found out that. There is this vertical aspect of the church. And uh, this morning, I'd like to share these three very distinguished. Number one, uh, if you look at that that graph there, it says that the church that is growing, the biblically sound church, the characteristic of it, it's, it's, they have an app which is the worship. The priority of a church is that they really come to a church and worship. They make sure that the church, that the Sabbath and the coming together in, in Hebrew says that 10, that you do not neglect the coming together, uh, is priority for them. It's a top priority for a church that is growing. You know, and, and as I was, uh, kind of, uh, pondering it, I'm also guilty of it. When I, when my son was young, church is almost like an option. Because we want him to, to excel in sport. So Sunday is the best thing for them to excel. Because that's their playing time on basketball or soccer or AFL or anything else. Or swimming or whatever sports that is. It's a very good re- reason, right? But it competes with the time, that priority of worship that we have. And sometimes we choose that excellence or that, that thing to excel for our kids, the things that they are doing in replacement of that up, that time of worshiping Him and worshiping the Lord together, corporately and collectively. Second, they found out that, the, that a church that is growing, that the Lord intended, is a people who is always out looking, outward looking. They have a witness to the community. This morning, I'd like to suggest to you that I think you're sitting in the right place, in the right church. You reckon? Yeah, we have a witness out. We are actually starting one somewhere. It's a good news, isn't it? And then, but this morning, I'd like us to go back to the very basic distinguishing factor and and signs of a church that Jesus intended. Number one is... The centrality of the word of God. That's why we read the word of God this morning. It says that the word of God is, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. A church, a characteristic of the church that God desired and, and, and built is a church that has the centrality of the word of God is in that church. 
we don't compromise the word. There's an authority. We recognize the authority of the word of God. Why? Why is it sometimes that the church is dead, no life? This is the answer. Because the word of God, says that every word of God is inspired or breath of God, breathed by God, the Ruach of God. Probably the church is not growing because we are not teaching the word of God, the Ruach of God, the life of God. That's why there's no life in it. So I... I suggest to you this morning, I present to you, that the church that God wants to build and the church that has life is a church that take the centrality of the word of God as the breath of God, that they have a breath of God being taught in, in the midst of them. That means, remember when, when God created the, the, world, the universe or the world, the creation? What did the word, uh, the word of God in Genesis said? When he created, when he created, uh, when God created the incarnate word, Christ, he used a human, human person, isn't it? It was Mary. He uses Mary to, inc- to have the incarnation of Jesus Christ. But when he wanted to create the word of God, what did he do? He inspired the people to write the revelation and breathe on it. When God created us, He created us what? Did He speak, speak the word and say, uh, be a man, be a woman? Is that how He built and created us? How did God create us, by the way? Huh? He created us from what? From the dirt, from the clay. He took the clay and then what? He molded. He created in the image, in his image. But was that, was that, did he stop there? No. Because he saw it, it's dead, there's no life. So what did he do? What did he do? He breathed his life on it. Now, you know, I have, I have this spark the aha moment in my life. I said the reason why sometimes we struggle to understand the word of God because we don't communicate with the breath of God that has been breathed in us and the breath of God that is being breathed on the word of God. That's why when we read the word of God sometimes we are confused and we don't understand because we don't communicate in the spirit on that breath on the ruach. We only think we use our mind to understand the word. But if we want to understand the Ruach of God, we need to use our spirit because that's how... I, 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 can I suggest to you that God breathed both our lives, the spirit that is in us, and the word so that we can understand the word of God. Is that make, that, does it make sense? Because when we read the word of God, that's why sometimes the centrality of the word is not practiced in the church because... We, we, we think to say, I don't understand the word. It's too complex. And sometimes we don't want to use the word. The, you know, the devil doesn't want us to use the word. Because the word is life. The word is truth. And it's profitable for us. It says, it's profitable for us to, to teach us the word, the truth, to do the work. No wonder sometimes we, we don't want to use, to use the word, the word of God. 
We don't want to use it. The devil doesn't want us to use the word. Remember when Jesus was uh, tempted by the devil? What was the conversation? It's a very simple conversation, right? The, the devil tried to tell Jesus, uh, did the word really say that you have to do that? Did the, the word really say? But what was the answer of Jesus? It's simple and plain. What was the answer? What? According to the word. The word says. Because Jesus knows that the word is life. It's the, it, doesn't, it, it won't lie. This word doesn't lie. This word doesn't lie. This truth. In fact, in, in John, he says, this is the word of truth. This is the word of life. The Bible, the word of God. The, the characteristic of a church that God wants is the people that would, or the church that brings the word of God as the centrality of everything that they will teach and study. The word of God. The word of God is the authority of everything they do. I think, I believe that the, the one, number one distinguishing characteristic of a church of God, of Jesus Christ, is that they preach and they live and obey the word of God. Do you agree? Because the word of God is his breath, is his Ruach, his breath, his wind is alive. It keeps us alive. No wonder sometimes when we read the word of God, it, it comes to us in a different meaning, isn't it? Do you read the word of God and the same meaning all the time that you receive? The same revelation that you receive all the time? No, it's alive. It's different times. It, it, it will tell you something different. You will have a revelation that is different from what you have received before. Because it's alive. It's a breath. When we stop breathing, we are dead. Isn't it? When the word of God, if the word of God is not alive, that means we, we don't need to read the 66 books and just think that this word is just written for us to, to, for our inspiration. It's, it's, it's profitable to be inspired, but the word of God is for both our inspiration and transformation. This is the word of God. We are not just being inspired by this, but we are transformed by this because it's life. It's alive. This is not dead word. This is an, it's a live word. The inspiration of the word of God and the centrality of the word of God is so essential. It's a characteristic of a church that God wants us to build together. And that's why Jesus said, even the gates of hell cannot prevail, prevail against it. That means we are not defensive. We are offensive. We actually storm the gates of hell. The gate don't travel, right? Gates don't, tra don't travel and, and uh, attack us. It's us who will attack the, tra the, the, the gates, isn't it? Like this morning, I was coming in. The, uh, one of our gates uh, 
handle is busted. I can't push it. It was like, but we attack it. We force it to push out so that we, the door, that the gate will be open, right? And that's the power of the word of God. It's alive. It breaks everything that the devil wants to put. No wonder uh, this world, nowadays, this generation, they want to pick and choose what they believe in the word of God because the word is powerful to transform. It's only the word of God. There was a time in your life and in my life that transformed our life and have that life and convicted us to have that transformation. Isn't it? That's why we responded to the gospel, to the word of God, to the good news. Second, second characteristic of a church, according to even to this report, it says, it's the priority of our worship. A church that worship really the Lord. And even for this, it's very interestingly, right? In John chapter 5, Jesus was talking to a woman in the well. And they have a conversation. What was the conversation, conversation like? It says, uh, the, the woman says, oh, uh, uh, Jesus asked the woman, oh, well, what are you doing here? Can I have some water? And, and the, the woman says, why, don't you ask, why, why are you asking me for water? You're not a Jew. I'm, a, I'm not a Jew. And they were talking about it. And then they talk about the subject of worship. And Jesus says, I am looking, and at time I'm looking for a, a, a worshiper that would worship me, what? In spirit and in truth. It's interesting, isn't it? The conversation is, I am looking for a worshiper that would worship me in spirit and in truth. For a while, I've been, I've been, in 40 years, I've been thinking about why is it, why in the world Jesus said, uh, that I'm looking for a worshiper in worship, uh, to worship me in spirit and in truth. Then I began to really seek and search. Because worship, it comes from the two words called worth and ship. It means simply, it's, um, it says, it's a state of, uh, it's a state of whatever comes before it, meaning a state of being worthy, or we must worship him because he's the only one worthy of it. You know, that means it's our respond to someone that is worthy of that worship. Of, of to receive worship. That simply means that the focus of our worship, the upward vertical focus of our worship is Jesus and that's it. It's not our tradition. It's not our style. It's Jesus. And the only way we can communicate and commune with that Jesus up vertically is through our spirit. And the truth that comes from the word of God. That means there is a prescribed order. You know, I was looking at in Psalms, uh, David. There's a story about David. You know, David is a man after God's own heart. But he was not a perfect man. He's actually very sinful and very bad guy. But look at what there is a... a, a Passage in the scripture in, in 2 Samuel, or oh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, 
I think, if I'm, I remember it right. Second Samuel chapter 30. And um, this is the time when uh, David was running away because Saul, the king of Israel, wanted to kill him. Remember the story? He, uh, Saul was very angry with David. And, and uh, he, was ch- he was running away. David was running away. And he came to this place, uh, a place that is not an a, a Israeli border. It is, is in, the, in a village of a, Palis- a Palis- Palestine village. Okay, he was hiding there in, in uh, 1 Samuel 30. Now, if you have your Bible, let, let's go there. It's, because it's a very interesting uh, scripture. Sorry, 1 Samuel 30. Just, just uh, go with me. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I was very, very intrigued to this word that, 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 that uh, David, because the story is, goes this way. Uh, that uh, David, one day, because he was playing politics for both of the, the, the Philistines and, and Israel. Uh, and so one day they were, they, they were attacking a, a place and then the Philistine from behind ransacked that village and, and burned it to the ground. But he didn't kill all the children and the and the wives of this about 500, 600 military strong that, that supported uh, David. Okay. Now, if you... Okay, First Samuel, are you there? 30? All right. And there is this passage here that um, is, is kind of a, a daunting. Okay. Verse 6. Can we read verse 6? Now, the story does that David destroyed the Amalekites, okay? But before he, was, he destroyed the Amalekites, actually, the whole village was taken over and taken captive. Now, verse 6. He says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because... Of his sons and of their sons, of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Or some translation, he says, David strengthened himself to the Lord. And I was looking at this, I said, what in the world, what means this, this word means? It simply means this, that David made a decision to worship God. In spite of everything, he could have blamed everything. He could even, even get, get angry and kill this man. Because he's a warrior. He's a king. That's what he, li- uh, he he's used to do. David was just, uh, I mean, he, he, he can kill thousands. What's the problem with 500? Yeah, but David did not. In, in, instead, David Decided, he says, I will, he says, I will strengthen my, uh, strength myself in the Lord. I find strength in the Lord. So David 
worship God as a decision in his heart and bow down before the Lord. In fact, he says, give me the effort, the effort. You know, effort is actually a garment that the priest used when he want to enter into the presence of God and inquire of the Lord. That's the, the garment. It's like a priestly garment. Like John, when he does a service before, he has to wear all the kesot. And, oh, you didn't? So, you're a very good, modern, modern uh, uh, United Church pastor uh, or minister. Most of the minister, in fact, they are wearing all this. You know, the whole, that is the priestly, what? Garments. Now, ephod is a priestly garment. It simply means David actually made a decision to bow before the Lord and inquire of the Lord. And interestingly, this is the, the answer. It says, and David inquired of the Lord in verse 8. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Then the Lord answered, pursue them. Well, what, what, a, what a conversation, isn't it? But it is in the time of worshiping that David found his strength in the Lord. And he stood and pursued. You know what happened? They wiped out everything. In fact, they took back everything that was taken to them. Plus the, the loot from the Philistines. They have everything back. Because they decided to worship. David decided to worship the Lord and inquire of the Lord. That is the characteristic of a church that God wants. Our worship is our respond to the lordship and the holiness of God, to the greatness of God, because He's worthy to worship, to be worshipped. That's the worship that God is looking for. It's not our style. You know, this tribe people has found that sometimes because of our tradition, we kill everything. <laughs> Instead of lifting up the name of Jesus, that, that we, we will lift him up and lift him as the King of kings, as the Lord of Lord in our worship. That's why we sing songs that he is holy, he's lifted up, he's the Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus. Isn't it? You know, the sad part is that this word has full of answers in our problem and our issues. But sometimes this is the last resort that we open and find solution from. We rather find a solution from Hollywood movies rather than the living ruach of God, the breath of God. Instead of making a decision to worship Him as our primary priority, our ultimate priority. You know, I was, I was actually sharing with my leadership, the leadership in, in Mandra. I was exploring to them what happened, why we pass one generation and then the following generation is no more youth, young people like we have just sent up. What happened? I found very fascinating that whether it's painful or not, or we accept it or not, we actually part of the problem and the issue of that. Why? Because in this 
generation, we've chosen to flow with what the world is asking us to do. And I was reflecting it for myself as I shared at the beginning. That even our worship and our coming together as a worshiper, we put worship as almost like a, just a footnote of our Christian walk. Have you ever noticed, really, honestly, every time, okay, in our schedule of priority, somehow worship is the easiest way to cancel. Isn't it? Have you ever thought that? Even in our service, the one that always needs to be cut, the time is worship time. Not the announcement, not the other thing, but it's the worship time. 40 years of my leading worship, every time there is something to be cut in our service, it's the worship time. And I was like actually being, I scratched my head and tried to, to kind of understand why. You know, you only have 20 minutes to worship the Lord together in worship and song in prayer. But when it, the crunch come, the, the, the place that needs to be cut is the worship time. Many times the pastor or the somebody in the leadership would always tell me, now we have very tight time. So instead of 20, can you lead 10? I was scratching my head. I said, if worship is important and it is our upward priority, our vertical time and experience with God, why is it? The announcement is better? Is it more profitable for the church? Why don't we just leave that and cut it for next week? It's not life and death. But our relationship with God is our utmost priority. And our worship with God is our utmost priority, isn't it? As I was saying, sometimes we contributed to the loss of the generation that following us. Because we prioritize good with good reason and intention. That Sunday become a competition of our worship for the sports attainment, for the musical prowess and ability, their development. It's all good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's really good. But that's why the last time I remember we have an, uh, we have we negotiate with our son. If you cannot attend your worship, uh, youth service, you're going to go to someone's worship service to attend it. Why? Because it's for me, I believe, Hebrews chapter 10, he says, do not neglect the coming together. Never to neglect it. That's the reason why we come to church. Because this is a place where we celebrate together, corporately, our salvation. Our, the Ruach of God. We seek the word of God. The life of a church. That's the reason why we are still alive. I believe so. In Bilabong. Because we still keep asking the Holy Spirit. The Ruach of God to come. And bring life to us. The good news is. You are sitting in a place. That desires to have the Ruach of God. Right here. 
Thirdly, the, the characteristic of a church that Jesus wants or desires is a church that has a witness. The out. We are looking outwardly all the time. We are not satisfied with the in. Just being huddled together here. The good news is, this is the church. But I sometimes think, sometimes even for that, we struggle and sometimes we are not happy. We actually question. But that's our DNA. Jesus says that our witness is this. We become a disciple and we make disciples. That's our DNA, our identity. True? We are being saved so that we become a follower of Jesus, so that we, we become a disciple of Jesus, so that we will make disciples. The one that we're doing Harrisdale is in the name of church planting, but eventually, actually it's just a, a place where we what? We make Jesus known. As a follower of Jesus, we make disciples. This is our outward mission, our mission now to, to make a disciple in that place. In fact, it's a very small little thing that, that we take part of what Jesus was asking us and mandated us to do. He mandated us to what? Make what? Disciple of all nation. We're just going to Harrisdale. Not the nation yet. You look at the nation, it's so big. They are needing Jesus to be disciple. They need to be disciple to Jesus. We're just going to Harvestdale. It's not too much trouble, isn't it? 15 minutes, 20 minutes trouble. I was watching last night a missionary, a testimony of a missionary who went to, to the village in, in uh, South America. And she was raped. For many, many months. And killed many Christians there. But she never gave up. Because this is. She said. My purpose of coming here. Is to bring Jesus. To make disciples of every nation. And she forgiven the people. Who did all the evil thing to them. And that's why there is salvation. There is church. There is disciples. In South America. Because of people like them. That's the world that Jesus said we make disciples with. And we're just going to Harrisdale. We create so much problem in our, sometimes we don't understand it. And we're not happy with it. The word of God says that the DNA that we have is to be disciple and make disciple of all nations. That is the DNA. That we have. That's our identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. We make him known to make him known, to be known, to know him and to make him known. That is the witness that we have. In fact, that in their report, in this tribe report, they said that if we don't do this part, I reckon it doesn't take 25 years. We all the church will die with us and the denomination will die with us. Is that, that's sad, isn't it? Can you imagine? In fact, 
I asked what the leadership that I have a meeting with last Wednesday in, in, in uh, Mandra, South Mandra. I said, what does it take for us, for your daughter to stand and say, Mom, I want to be in church because I met Jesus there? What does it take for them to follow our footsteps? You know, I was, I was searching for my old school songs. I come across this song called Find Us Faithful. The question is this. It says, the lyric says, May those who are following us, found, following behind us, find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light the way. May the footprints that we live lead them to believe that the life we have inspired them to obey. May we all, may they all find us faithful. This is the call that God wants us, the mandate that God has, make a disciple. Be a disciple and make disciple of all nations. You know, this is the witness that God wants us to have. To have this DNA that we have Outward looking people. That's why we start there. It's not because we need to have a thousand people in this church in order to be a disciple making church. In fact, there's so many little churches in Syria that makes disciples because they cannot build big churches. You know, the fastest growing church in the world today is in Syria. The most the place where you cannot even preach and read the word of God publicly. Why? Because they understand the word disciple and make disciple. You know what? They said in a testimony I was watching, he says, this word, they, can, they even uh, kind of hide it in their phone. And in the park, they will read together as if they are just conversing. Because that's how precious this word is life. Church, beloved people, my brothers and sisters, this is the three characteristics that God wants us to live for and to journey with together. The word of God, the worship that exalts the name because it's worthy to be worshipped. The witness that, that we have the opportunity all over the world. In fact, for me, honestly, I am so ashamed and dissatisfied that I have not been discipling my, my neighbors around here. There's so much of them there. I have too many busy things to do. And sometimes scared to speak the word. God says, just speak the word. You don't need to bash them with the word. Just speak the word. Because the word is life. Pray for an opportunity to speak the word. And that's what I'm doing. Every time I go Wednesday in the thing, I go to the cut in, is in, and I wait for an opportunity to speak the word. Three weeks ago, I had an opportunity to speak to an old uh, Italian guy. He says, I just came out from hospital and I speak the word. And I said, I pray that the word of God, when he says that by the strife of God, of Jesus Christ, you are healed. And you will be healed completely. It is the word of God that is powerful, isn't it? This is the church, a characteristic of church. 
I reckon this is the better way of going church and doing church. You reckon? That we put the centrality of the word of God. We put our worship focused to the one that is worthy of worship. And we do what he mandated us to do. To be a witness, to be a disciple and make disciple in Harrisdale, in Canningville, in a place where we are, and to the others, other most part of the world. When God says, you know, there's so many things that we do, isn't it? We become part of it. Why don't we do it here? We support here, we support Pimung Pongaton. That's all missional. But it would be so great if we celebrate that when we start and mandate and obey the mandate that God has given us to be in Harrisdale or anywhere else that the Lord wants us to go, that is what the church is supposed to be and what God desires to be. That, for me, is the better way to do ministry, to do together as a church. And in return, we will have again a life that God desires to be in the church. A new generation, new life coming out of it. When we bear fruit, there's new life coming in. Isn't it? There's new life coming in. May we are challenged by the word of God this morning. And as we pray this morning, I pray that let, let, let's adjust the lens that we have, how we look at the ministry and the church. Sometimes we look at the leadership and the pastor they are still human like us. They are not perfect, right? But as long as this character, that the word of the characteristic that God wants us to do, and they are willing to obey and do it, let's all out support. Let's all out do the ministry together because this is really pleases the heart of God. Let's all stand as we sing these songs together.